Friends and enemies, welcome to Bad Voltage Season 3, Episode 60. Can you believe it? We are I know. 60 episodes into the uh-huh. third series, with no sign of the end of the third series, I should be clear. No, no. Although a temporary, temporary pod fading for a, for a month or so. So we, oh, well. we just thought we'd, we thought we'd uh, just, uh, just, just the tips and pod fading. Uh, <laughs> to I was going to say, it's more of a, a summer wobble. Yes. Well, this, this, this is what the summer break is for, but we've decided not to do that. But lots has been going on, so... We legitimately, and this is not a joke, might have missed the... Given that we're doing a news episode, the meatiest like three weeks of news in a long time <laughs> is when a we were on yeah. hiatus. A lot it has w- happened. Yeah. An alarming <laughs> amount of news. <laughs> so, yes, I'm Stuart Langridge. I'm here with uh, Jonathan Edward James Bacon and Jeremy Garcia. No middle name at all. Oh. <laughs> I, playing it straight. I almost don't know what to do. Well, I, I, I'm, I, I've decided that maybe your middle name is The Null String, so it doesn't show up. <laughs> um, and. As you say, because we missed a few weeks in which loads of stuff happened, we thought we'd just talk yes. about news. So, Jono, why don't you kick us off? So, uh, maybe we can start off with uh, uh, the OpenAI open folks. Did you see that they've they've uh, launched GPT Bot, which is basically a web crawler um, that's going to be crawling around the internet and i mean obviously web crawlers are nothing new they've been around for many years but OpenAI uh launched this bot recently uh, and they and they're using this to then basically train the model on on what it what it kind of crawls over essentially and it's caused a little bit of um uproar around this um uh, because a bunch of people just they don't want their content being indexed so uh it's kind of putting um there's there's been a few news articles that have come out basically saying it's kind of putting Content creators, people who are on websites in a bit of an awkward position, but I don't know if this is any more significantly awkward than a Google bot, you know, traversing your site. I mean, I guess the way in which the data is used is very different, right? So So I, I didn't fully understand the announcement in that it's clear, very clear, that the model was already trained on basically all of the internet. So the yeah. fact that they're now saying they have a web crawler, like they obviously had one before. So I- Yes, it, it did seem like we're launching GPT, but what you've done is you've given the thing you already had and have had running for a decade. For, a I was going to say for years and years, to be clear here. <laughs> well, I had assumed, and I, I don't know a lot about search engines and how they're built, as you're about to discover, but I I'd assumed that basically yourself, Mi- <laughs> Microsoft had basically given them a massive data set from Bing, and that's how what they use on. Well, I mean, they must have built up a load of this stuff before Microsoft were in charge, right? I mean, they've yeah. been Microsoft Open AI for a while, right? So, well, yeah, but I'm assuming the first thing they did, sitting there in whatever garage they set this up in, was to set up a web crawler and run it without telling anybody, right? Really? I don't know if that'd be the first thing that they do. I think the first thing they do will be, you know, make an AI model. <laughs> <laughs> that I, I, works. I, I'm uh, not at all sure. And probably feed it like a, a dummy set of data. That's what I would have guessed. Anyway, well, I mean, I, mean I, 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 I was under the impression, and I'm I'm going by memory here, that they were using the um, what's the name of the open crawl from the beginning, mm. or the beginning's aggressive from pre Microsoft days. They were using open crawl. So I, I again, right. I'm not. I don't know if this is just them wanting to be more prescriptive on the rules of engagement like i think it respects robots.txt now and some other things that they might want to 
have more press around even if even though it probably already existed because open crawl respects robots.txt so I'm, I'm not sure i am honestly unsure how i feel about this i mean i have written a um a short poem in honor of gpt bot which you can find on my website at cryogenics.org slash robots.txt which says user agent gpt bot disallow slash but <laughs> um i what an artist <laughs> i know right it's like, i'm like lord byron but what I what I'm not sure about is we have gone from this this is in theory an improvement in that we've gone from we're gonna take all this stuff and put it in our model and not even tell you we're doing it to now you have the option of opting out, which is I suppose technically an improvement. Uh, I don't think but- <laughs> you have the option of opting out. You have the option of not opting in further from today. Uh, right, yes, okay. Which yes. is a much, much, much different thing to be yeah, clear. No, 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 you're right, actually. So there was we're going to do this. And there's nothing you can do about it ever. There's we have done this, and there's nothing you can do about it. But you can stop it from now on. But you still have to be technical enough to know about this and to explicitly opt in. And then there's yes. the better option, which is we don't inhale the whole internet without asking first. But that doesn't seem to be on the table. But we have had that discussion already. Yep. Um, I I don't know. I mean, it it feels like. <sighs> It's annoying to me because now they can say, look, you see, you know, you, you complain that we did it. So we've now given you the option to step back. But it's like, it's still not good enough. I, yeah. It's going to be an interesting year or so to see how a lot of these things end up progressing and changing. And, and there, I think there will be some pretty large fallout. It's just AI is one of those fascinating things that like two weeks is forever and things are changing yeah. so rapidly that predicting it's almost about it will be about as accurate as our normal yearly predictions uh but i, I think in aggregate over the next year you'll see quite a bit of changes here it's yeah. going to be fascinating as well without turning this into a broader technology trends conversation but it's so interesting looking at the just the um the 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 crumbling of web3 uh, compared to how it was just a couple of years ago and and just all of that hype just as like the, all the air came out of that bubble to a significant degree yeah it will be interesting to see what it looks like when it comes to ai as well so Although paypal who did, knows paypal did launch a stable coin so web3 is not completely gone <laughs> um, but no I, that's a good point it will be interesting to and this is to be clear not the first ai bubble either like there was this is probably at yeah. least the third ish this is definitely, I, I think, the one with the most legs and the most interesting of the three, but is not the first, to be clear, for those who are a little bit newer to the industry. Yes, <laughs> yes. This is very, very true. Now, um, uh, on the point of robots.txt, there was actually a proposal for an update to the robots.txt format, which I thought was interesting, which basically said, in addition to saying, this robot can see these URLs on my site, no robots can see. So robots.txt, for people who don't know, is a a text file you can put at the root of a website which lists within it rules for robots automated systems um crawling that website now obedience to what it says is voluntary um there's no actual enforcement here but most good citizens of the internet googlebot for example will heed the rules in there so you can say um googlebot can only see these urls and not others or Googlebot can't see anything on this website. Uh, GPTBot can, can't see anything, which is what I've done, for example. But the standard is very simple. It was it, um, it was basically thrown together years and years and years ago as sort of an agreement. But there's been a proposal that 
uh, it should be expanded to say not only which URLs a particular bot can see, but also what use they can put the data to. Oh. So you can say it's fine to crawl this website for the purposes of archiving it, if you're the Internet Archive, or for the purposes of search results, if you're Googlebot, or for the purposes of creating an LLM model, if you want to, or for republishing it. Um, but you'd be able to specify. Now, obviously, the world and uh, is going to get on board with, well, I think well, we should have this, and we should have this, and that we bike shed it to death. But the basic Are we also switching idea, to YAML or something terrible? Uh, well, yeah, but you, you just, yeah I, I think part of the reason this wouldn't go off the ground is it will end up being like soap or something, and no one will pay attention oh. to it. But blast, <laughs> blast it from school. the past. I, I tell you, there are half a dozen other people other than me and you, Jeremy, listening to this podcast who just had like an involuntary shudder, like someone walked over their grave. Um, <laughs> but, but I think the concept of this, of expanding it, to say here is a machine readable set of rules if if whoever's putting these ideas together can get publicity a groundswell of support behind them i think it's good now there is there are a bunch of motives for people to not pay attention to this um but yeah i I think my my concern is not the right word my issue with this would be that only the actors who are in the top X percent of good faith actors will pay any attention to this. The people you want to pay attention the most will pay attention the least. And some people just out of not bad implementations or not understanding it, it won't work. So yes, Google will get it right or, or OpenAI will get it right, but everyone else will either ignore it or actively ignore it. It's not a contract. It's voluntary. Like those things only work so far. But you can imagine a world in which if you had Google and OpenAI, for example, and Microsoft with Bing coming out and saying, hey, we think this is important, this is a big deal, then if you're setting up um, your own little thing, which is going to go out and crawl the internet, build an LLM, and then your goal is to sell out for a billion dollars, it looks bad if the way you got it is a thing which the titans of the industry have explicitly said is not a good thing. Sure, you can't stop them doing it, but that's not what you try and do. You try to disincentivize them from doing it by saying, "Hey, you did something unethical to get this. Maybe you, maybe you've harmed your company's chances of selling." Sure, it's not go- it's not going to stop um, Vladimir Putin's teams from doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was an interesting little extra wrinkle to that. So, since we're talking about um, LLMs and what have you, did you see what MDN did? This- this By the way, just before we go on, can, oh, we, on. can we just can we just go LLLM, 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 LLLM? Idiot. Just struck me. Anyway, carry on. Sorry, what were you saying about MDN? You are a fool. Right. So MDN, which is the Mozilla Developer Network, which is basically where all the documentation for the web goes. Did you see this? They added a bunch of LLM stuff, and it did not go well. No. What happened? So they added two things. Um, there was AI help and AI explain. Right. Um, and AI help was basically, obviously you can search the, the MDN docs. Um, AI help was essentially that search engine, but chat GPT enabled or LLM enabled anyway. And AI right. explain what happened was, um, they, they decorated every code example 
on on MDN with a button which said explain this and you could click it and what it basically did was did a query to an LLM and said explain this in natural language okay. um so you can imagine a world in which this was done sensitively and interestingly and took account of some people's concerns about the whole concept of LLMs and everything and it was not handled that way um no one seems to be very sure about how it got there because it just like bonk, appeared on the website one day. <laughs> and MDN short, um, Mozilla, the company, uh, run it. And most of the contributors to it are Mozilla people, but it's at least in theory, at least partially a community product. And there's, you know, there are processes by which you get stuff published there and so on. It's, it, it reminded me very much, John, you'll remember this, of canonical stuff where technically the community owned it, but every now and again something would just get pushed in without it going through the processes. <laughs> I have no recollection of that ever happening once. <laughs> right. But, so I, I have no view on this from the inside, right? This is all purely from the outside, but the vibe I got from it was that kind of thing happened. Since then, what we've seen is, there was a huge blob about it because it was handled really badly, right? Which meant that suddenly you got loads of pushback and everyone got on the bandwagon of, hey, don't do this. This is terrible. And now that's being fueled by all the same complaints that everyone's got about LLMs for everything, which is that it gets all the answers wrong and so on. Um, so just so I'm clear on this, they rolled this out. Yes. Um, they rolled this out. It's basically got a button that says... You know, it just generates an AI summary of whatever so you're looking there, there, into. There, there were two parts to it. One of them was that one of them was summarizing all the existing code examples. Um, so essentially, every code example on MDM, which is a huge documentation site for all the web APIs, each one of those code examples basically grew a button which you could click, and it would just feed it to an LLM and give you back a um, uh, a natural language explanation of it. Okay. And then the other one was essentially a search engine where you could type in queries and instead of it being keyword search or some other type of search, it was doing LLM search over it. Right, so, so what are they upset about? Like, what are people upset about? Are they upset that the fact that it was any kind of AI was used in summarizing? This <sighs> stuff? There, there is, is for those interested in this topic, a lengthy, detailed postmortem on the yes. Mozilla blog. Yes, which we will link to in the show notes. Um, uh, and they are there in our show notes. Check it out. Um, so they did actually write up what they did wrong. So you've got, there are a couple of issues here. Um, the first one is, yes, there are a lot of people who just object to the idea of LLM stuff and are then objecting partially on that basis and partially coming up with a bunch of reasons that are objections, but their real objection is just, this is AI stuff which you're forcing down our throats for no reason. And I suspect that- the number of people in that camp and the number of people who use MDN are higher than the number of people uh, yeah. on Earth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I get it. Just say, one clarifying fact, uh, though. like The, the you, Venn diagram you, here you, is either two circles or, you know that thing in films where they have a, um, you get a view through binoculars. And it's not two separate circles at all. It's two very nearly merged circles. That's the Venn diagram of people who are going to be hacked <laughs> off about being forced into AI stuff and people who use MDN, right? Yes. And what clarifying question here. Uh, you have to click the button to use the AI thing. Right? It yes. doesn't just yes. shove it on the web page. So yeah. it okay. said it so, was live for 65 hours, at which time 24,132 unique visitors used the functionality. They generated 44,229 responses. 
uh, which represents 3.34% of, of the traffic and uh, 68% upvotes, 31% downvotes. To yeah, give you an idea it. of so the you, usage across it. So you can go there and not click the button and have broadly the same experience as it was before the AI was yes. added. Um, okay, just want to... Yeah. Yeah, okay, carry on. Um, but we're now at the point where um, someone wrote an actual uh, paper, academic paper, analyzing um, chat GPT stuff, Stack Overflow answers, MDN, and so on, uh, the use of it, which is quite interesting, and um, we can link to that as well. But one of the things that they said is uh, they were looking at are the answers accurate or not, and it does, it does not look good for the ai stuff you know and be trending worse not better which is fascinating for a, yes. for a, a couple months there it was trending substantially better by the week yeah. and then there was a plateau and in the last couple weeks it seems to be trending down yes which yeah, is yeah. which is interesting and and one of the conclusions they drew in this paper is that people find the answers helpful and they say this is a helpful answer basically because it's phrased really nicely and well even if the actual answer is wrong people are voting them helpful anyway which is to me a really interesting point in i don't know what you, well, you, you might call it the aesthetic usability effect but the idea that if you do well worded uh responses to something that people find easy to understand they'll go that was helpful even if the actual thing you're saying is wrong, right? Which I suppose is the current world in microcosm, really, isn't it? But, <laughs> but, but I did think that was interesting. So we're now at the point where there are academic studies going into this and so on. And it's, a, it's an example of the stuff we were talking about when, uh, when we talked about GPT bot. It's, it's this kind of thing that's causing the pushback. Every individual thing is not necessarily a problem, but there's a general feeling of this stuff doesn't necessarily feel ready, but it's being wedged in everywhere anyway. But question, did, what, so what did Mozilla do in the end? Did they remove the button or did they leave it on there? I, I, they, I think they I know what happened. Yeah, yeah, they, ro they rolled it back. Stunning. They, they, so, got, they got scorned so hard they burst into flames and undid it is what Well, happened. part of what they said was explain was originally intended as an experimental feature for logged in users only, uh, launching it publicly to all users and without a clear ind indication of its experimental nature was, was a mistake. And that's when they rolled it back. Yeah. So I, instead I, of them actually just putting a note next to the button saying, um, you know, this is a beta feature, um, you know, your mileage may vary, they just capitulated to the onslaught of criticism. I think for an organization that all three of us used to be extremely fond of, they're they're not very well run anymore, to, to be frank. No. And, just, uh, and yeah. I think some of that is if they'd done that at the beginning, if they'd come out and said, hey, we've got this new experimental thing, we're, we're trying to work out whether LLMs can be useful as part of our documentation mission, so we've got this extra button, why not try it out? We'll show it to 10% of you, and you can opt out of it, no problem. That would have been good, right? I think people would have gone, oh, interesting, yeah. I, I don't find totally. it useful. But they didn't do that, and I think the reason they pulled it is because you only get one chance to make a first impression, and they screwed it up. Hmm. I think that I don't know if I'd agree with that. Uh, so I, felt, I de definitely agree with what you just said, though, Stuart, in terms of like, if they'd have just said, we're experimenting with this, because everybody is well aware of how inaccurate AI can be um, in many cases. So just out of pure covering your ass, you'd think that they'd do that anyway. So I'm surprised that they didn't do that. And knowing the potential implications for the community, I think the reason why they 
they they they probably rolled it back based upon what I'm hearing from you guys. I've not obviously researched this. Is I think they just gave in. I think they they just wanted the, the community pain to go away. And what I find disappointing about this is, you know, when you think about examples of history of where um, technology is created that may be imperfect. But what we do is we test it out in the open so people can try it out and then we provide feedback and we improve it step by step. That's how fucking open source works. So the fact that the community had such a visceral response to it, I find disappointing. But also, if they'd have just managed it, like you say, Akas, this is something we're experimenting with. Here are the yeah. here are the pathways in which you can provide feedback and input. You don't have to use it. We're not forcing anyone to use it. Um, this whole thing could have been avoided. I mean, that's not even how open source works. It's just how technology works. Yeah. This is an example of hopeless community management. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, whiners on the internet will always be a place. There'll always be a place for whiners on the internet, right? But yeah. And now they're going to be, now they're going to be spending probably weeks writing article after article about their commitment to collaborative AI, I'm guessing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, and this is exactly the thing, you know, because they screwed that up, they got a whole bunch of people who would have probably been indifferent or would have gone, oh, well, I'm not sure I like that from Mozilla, but whatever, you know, they're trying an experiment, no worries, to immediately go, this is terrible, at which point all you can do is back away from it. If you if you double down and be, no, 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 it's an experiment, we're going to carry on with it, everyone stays hacked off with you. Yeah. I think but there yeah. is a, there is a this is actually could I mean I'd find this interesting but I'm not sure anyone else would which, I think book, an which inde- book should they have read to know not to do this <laughs> <laughs> I do think that there is a a problem with um a broad problem with companies not being straight with their community and pandering to communities or just not sending expectations clearly like you see this a lot in the open core world where you know they have like an open source project and then commercialize something on top of it but they're they're not clear and they don't come out and say just to be very clear we're making money in this thing so we as the maintainers will not merge pull requests in for those features and then what often happens is somebody then creates a, a free implementation of the commercial feature and then it causes all kinds of problems right and if they'd have just come out and said, look, this is where we're drawing the line, but so many companies don't do that. Uh, and it's no. a problem, in, I think, in, in, in but, communities. But, so. because, because what they're hoping for is they don't want the bad community feedback of saying, hey, we're not going to let your stuff in if it competes with our business model, because then a bunch of people who are doing free work for them might stop and go somewhere else. So they yeah. think, well, we don't want to bring this up because then it ignites the kind of pushback that Mozilla just got. But we also don't want to do it. So hopefully it just won't come up, right? Which is like hiding under your bed away from problems. It does not work and people should pack it in. But then ask yourself, right? It's not like it's unique to uh, open core or unique to um, the open source industry or like Jeremy says, even the technology industry. Last time you were on a phone call on hold, did you think, oh, my call really is important to them? They just lie to us all the time, right? <laughs> you tell me that when they say that, that's not real. I I, I, I know. I was shocked myself. It's, it's shattered my perception of FedEx, who are, should be noted for the record, are utterly fucking incompetent, by the way. Uh, really? Based upon my personal experience, lawyers. <laughs> um, 
If you if you look at their logo, did you know this? In the negative space, you can see a finger pointing up at you, middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> um, <right>. So, <laughs> or, or is that you? I thought I knew where you go with that. <laughs> I in fact did not know where you were going. With that. Now, somebody needs to mock that up and send it to us. Anyway, right, new piece of news, Mr. Bacon. Did we talk? I can't. I genuinely can't remember. Did we talk about the Apple Vision Pro? Oh, God Almighty! I can't remember if we, we did. Right. No? So we 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 have not spoken about it on the show. Although um, we're gonna. I, I now owe myself a pound for the oh look, it's more Apple VR bobbins from John O segment. So, so did you guys watch the announcement? No. The best thing about this is I wish I had my Apple Vision Pro on now because I could close my eyes and go to sleep and you'd have no idea because it would still be projecting open eyes to you. <laughs> yes, I, <laughs> I, I saw the announcement. <laughs> so you, descri- you describe it. So they, they announced this back in June. Um, uh, people have been, um, for a long time, it's, be, it's been a, a pretty badly kept secret that Apple were working on some kind of AR, VR device. I believe we um, revealed it on this show. Yeah. Like R- two right. years ago. We did. We did. We're we're like that dude in China who leaks all the Apple news. <laughs> <laughs> Ming Chen or whatever the guy's name is. Anyway, so um well, it might be a woman actually. I actually don't know. I thought it was a guy. Anyway, um they announced this uh Vision Pro headset. Um and in a nutshell, it's a it's a headset, like you'd expect. It's got Super high resolution screens on it, uh, far higher than pretty much anything else on the market right now. It's one of the things that was interesting is it's it's absurdly priced. It's three and a half thousand dollars for this thing, but the actual quality of the screen and a lot of the tech that's in there is um, is on par with like the Vario uh, headsets, which are priced at like eight grand and need like a fifteen hundred dollar a year subscription. So it's actually less expensive for the equivalents in terms of the tech. Um, but a number of things that I thought were kind of interesting about it. One is, um, you kind of touched on this act, is that they've got this screen on the front where when you're in like AR mode and, you, and you're kind of looking through the cameras on the device, it kind of projects your eyes on there. And one of the things that I thought was actually quite cool about this is that they clearly want this to be used in a work setting or in a family setting. Um, and when somebody, if you're in, um, in AR mode where you can see the world around you, people can see your eyes and it means that they can see you as well. But when you're in VR mode, the screen on the front of the headset kind of gets covered in this kind of blue fog. Um, and then if somebody walks into your vicinity, they kind of appear out of nowhere from VR, um, as this hovering kind of giant and then their eyes appear as well. So they're actually, I thought that was actually quite an innovative idea and how they're trying to create an environment where you're bridging the the real world you know the ar world and and the vr world which i thought was kind of interesting uh another couple of things that i thought was interesting was there's absolutely zero control it's all um it's all hand tracking which is quite a bold move i think there's not many vr headsets that are doing that um it's beautifully designed the thing that is not beautifully designed is you've got this like battery pack that's hanging out the back of it on a yeah. cord, which I'm sure they'll get rid of at some point in the future when the tech is better. And um, that battery pack lasts two hours. Yeah. This is an issue with a lot of these devices, right? Um, yeah. Is they don't last long. Um, because it's a gargantuanly powerful combination of a phone and a laptop, which you have to wear yeah. on your head, right? It's, yeah. 
I don't necessarily yeah. blame them for having not much battery life, but equally, there's not much battery life. And they, what was, did, they did a very good job in, in the videos and everything of not making the cable very obvious and not showing the great big box and everything. Yeah. It is, it is, it is un, unusually clunky for an Apple because Apple, I think we'd all agree, Apple devices are beautiful looking. And well, the aesthetics uh, and, are so Apple, and then that one aspect of it is so not Apple that you know it annoyed them when they released yeah. it. What, like this yeah. is what, so what it's like a tiny bit of Samsung on yeah. the back of the Apple well, headset. What <laughs> amazed me most about it is that every laptop on Earth apart from Apple laptops, has a big thick cable that you can't wind up properly and a big power brick on the lead and everything. And Apple Apple people were always somewhere in between proud and sneery about the fact that theirs didn't. And it had a very lovely thin cable, which you could wind up and there was just the plug that plugged into the wall and no great big power brick. (laughs) And I've not heard word word out of people going, oh, actually, that's really terrible. It's like, you thought it was terrible for my Toshiba laptop. You're not saying it now about your stupid four grand sunglasses. (laughs) Oh, you shut up. But but yes. Yeah, so the other... other, um I'm just thinking what else is kind of notable about it before we get into it. Um, uh, as you both know, I've been paying attention to VR. I wouldn't say, I mean, I'm not, I don't use VR hardly at all. Um, uh, I've got a Quest 2 and I just bought a Pimax crystal headset that should be arriving today, actually. Um, but it's it's one of the things that I thought was especially interesting was the um, was the UI for it. So it's got eye tracking. And when yeah. you look at something and you kind of pinch your fingers to kind of select things, um, you know, basically you look at something and then you pinch, you pinch your finger and then it's got voice chat to how you interact with it. And the, the, the announcement is one thing. What I was curious to see was all the journalists who used it after the announcement. And the one word that everybody consistently said is that it felt like magic was that the quality of the displays and the experience was a real step up. And I actually think that that's pretty, I think that's pretty, pretty encouraging. One of the things that they talked about, and then I'll, I'll shut up, is they can also take these like 3D um, pictures, right? So they apparently they have the, an example of like a birthday scene. And a lot of these journalists said like when you're watching this playback of a video, um, it really is kind of surreal. You feel like you're seeing it in front of you. And it's kind of odd because you're watching a, birth, a kid's birthday party and you feel like you shouldn't be there. There's like this kind of immediate reaction. But the stupid thing is... To, to record those scenes, you need to wear the headset, which nobody's going to do. Yeah. So they're going to need to stick it on an iPhone for that to work. And I just don't know. That requires multiple cameras mounted on iPhones. I'm sure they'll get there at some point with the iPhone, and that's how we'll take the pictures. But that, anyway. to me, was the thing about the birthday party that I thought was weird. That you're like, fine, okay, you're, you're doing this incredible recording and thing which you can live back on later. But that what that means is you're showing up to your kid's birthday party with your Darth Vader helmet on, filming everything rather than <laughs> hanging out with your kid, right? What are you doing? <laughs> Daddy's in the internet. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. What, what struck I, me as I, I interesting is how much of a different approach they took than Meta, right? Because they were basically like, how can we design something that's aesthetically pleasing and really will be a device that can take some of the rough edges and augment slightly the things you do at work or travel or productivity as a, as a slight up-leveling of life, where Meta was like, why don't we immediately try to replicate the most meaningful human interactions you have yeah. with a legless Zuck? Like, it's just <laughs> <Yes>. so philosophically <laughs> different. 
Yeah, so the meta people are like, okay, what you should do is put the headset on and then never ever take it off again and spend the rest of your life inside Second Life. Yeah, <laughs> Ready Player One is here now and go. But it is, then, yeah, I mean, there was, the, there was the Apple thing I thought was interesting for a different reason. For that sure, the AR stuff, which I think is the direction they're going to lean in, isn't mm-hmm. too bad. But if you look at the non-AR stuff, the the videos I saw of which are obviously very limited, as far as I can tell. Everyone who's actually played with the thing wasn't allowed to be filmed playing with it or film what it shows you or anything. So all we've got is half a dozen Apple produced videos of what it is. But you actually look at the UI inside it. Sure, it's amazingly clever that you can just look at a thing and touch your fingers together. It does it. But the thing you're looking at is basically just a great big iPad. Well... I was a bit disappointed at that. I was expecting, you know, kind of individual pop-ups around everything in the room, and it just goes badonk and sticks an iPad in front of your face. I'm like, I could do that with an iPad. <laughs> I'm yeah, sure I mean, that it, will it, change and improve, but yeah, it, <laughs> Jeremy's uh, literally pantomiming holding up an iPad in front of his eyes, which is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We need we do a video version of this. <laughs> it is going to be interesting because, I mean, you know, um, I've not been tracking Apple's history carefully, but a bunch of people who do have said, like, this is very much in keeping with Apple, the first version of something that they do. Um, it's very expensive. Um, they create a limited number of... They have limited inventory to buy it. Um, in many cases, like with the Apple Watch, apparently you had to go into, like, Apple stores to get it fitted and things like that. Yeah. So it's kind of in line with what they've, with what they've done. But I think where this is going to be really interesting to watch how this unfolds is just it's so invasive putting something on your head. That's what stood in the way of VR and AR, right? Yeah. And apparently the AR glasses that Apple were working on have been put on hold for a while. So, um, but what will be interesting is to see what developers come up with. Like they had like this bit in the in the in the demo where they were showing like people watching um, like a basketball game, I think it was, and it's kind of on their table and they're watch- looking at it from different angles and uh that kind of thing i think will be really interesting to see they're clearly filming tv shows that will be in in 3d as well because they've got apple tv so yeah well if they could nail the experience of i might not be able to travel to a, a bills away game i'm an nfl fan for those who don't know what the bills are if i can't go right. to the game but i could get an experience that's close-ish to being in a stadium and and being able to just look around to see things that, that's um, the potential there's amazing. Yeah, I mean that does yeah. seem that does seem pretty cool. Do you have to buy a device which pulls beer down your back every now and again? <laughs> you, you still have to buy the table and jump through it, but the the rest is uh, right there in the headset. <laughs> but but I can totally see that as an experience. Yeah, and you could basically record that once and then sell it to everybody. Right. And That's you could change how you watch some kinds of sports. Yeah. Like for F1, you could put people basically in the car, which is an experience yeah. that you clearly can't get now. So I, I but, think some of the potential is super, super interesting. Yeah. But to me, that is the thing I am doing is looking at the inside of the headset. I, I stop doing everything else I'm doing and I participate in this thing, which sure, I happen to be doing it in my own living room with a headset on, but I might, I might just be at the Bill Stadium instead where upon I'm also not in the pub or in the library or at work or whatever. Um, the idea that you should have this on and do other stuff at the same time, which is the point of AR rather than VR was I thought the direction Apple were going in, but. The idea of having this thing on for your five-year-old's birthday party is such a 
staggering misunderstanding of what people will do. I I think that was a demo. I don't think that. Sure. I I don't think Apple are going to. I think they know that that's not viable. There's no no doubt in my mind that it will not be the iPhone 16. It will probably be the iPhone 17. They will have the ability to take 3D videos on it. Right. Because to to me, that's the thing. It surprised me that Apple, who are careful crafters of the message that they put out, would have picked that as an example to showcase the device. We all agree it's not a good idea, but normally Apple would go, that's not a good idea. Let's not make it the centerpiece of our presentation. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, what's I think what will be interesting as well to see is that uh, I honestly think that this is VRs and ARs. This is this is if it doesn't work for Apple, it's going to decimate that industry. Well, yes, because Apple agree. have got the, they've got the relationships with the content creators. I mean, they did a deal with Disney. They're you know they're a very well widely respected brand. If this fails, it's going to be a disaster. So did, did you so. um did you see Brownlee's review of it? MKBH, yeah, MKBHD. I thought I, was, I thought that was really good actually. It's really good. Yeah, I love his stuff. Yeah, because in my opinion, at least he's he's not got a particular he's not got skin in any of the games in particular. No, he's objective, he, isn't he? Yeah. Doesn't lean in one direction or another. I'm I'm sure people who build things that he didn't like would claim he was biased, but I don't think he is. He, and he's prepared to say, no, I dig Apple stuff, but also. Dig Android stuff. I dig the I dig the Meta device. You know the um fifteen hundred Quest Pro or whatever it's called. Um, yep. So, and I thought his thing was good because he said some of this stuff is amazing. He called out the the eye tracking being amazing and just pinching your fingers together. But also, basically, what he called it was a rich person's toy. Yep. The question is whether they can turn it from being a rich person's toy into something a bit more normal. The thing that's concerning is. From what I understand, they have such a, they're having such a hard time building the damn thing. And it's primarily, from what I've read, it's the screen on the front of the device. They've got this like curved OLED screen. It's so hard <coughs> to build those. Like the company that they're using to manufacture those has really low yield on the I think on they've the, reduced the it at least twice, if not maybe three times, the, the yeah. number they expect to ship. Exactly. Yeah. And and they've been setting up like, so they've released the SDK for it, um, but then they've got locations where developers can kind of go in and, and, and test those, test out their, their apps. And it's like that, that, that's got to be a temporary stopgap. They're going to have to be able to get, they're going to have to get these devices in the hands of developers. I'm, I'm kind of astonished that for a trillion dollar company, they didn't just build like, I don't know, 50,000 of these things or even just 10,000 of these things and just ship them to developers for free like like known quantities you know no known developers just start building stuff like the fact that you got to go into a store to go and test your app on on one of these headsets is ridiculous i would guess that gives you some insight into just how difficult they are to produce is to make them yeah yeah <laughs> this is so, the thing but we'll see what happens i can guarantee one thing I will be buying one. <laughs> well, I, I, I was I was going to say, uh, uh, do, will you buy it as soon as it comes out, even if the reviews aren't great, or would you wait for version two or version three? I am a hundred percent pre-ordering it, <laughs> and I'm not expecting to get one um, because I think it will be. I think it's going to be like a bum rush to <laughs> to get yes. one. Yeah, um, yes, you're not kidding. Well, you remember, you remember how difficult it was to get a PlayStation Five? I think it's going to yeah. be even worse to get one yeah. of these things. So. 
Um, it it yeah. will it will honestly be interesting to see whether it is worse because yeah it's okay to get a PlayStation Five but everybody wanted one. What's going to be interesting about this is there will be fewer people who want it that want PlayStation Five, but there were fewer of them as well. It's whether. Yep people go but i really really need it or whether people sort of back away and go well we're just not going to get one then never mind that that walking that tight i suspect it's going to be quite difficult to get oh i'm oh i'm sure it is going to be quite difficult to get. but the question is not is it difficult to get it's whether lots and lots of people are pushing for it and haven't got it you know yeah and we um, will see uh it will be interesting um what's next so this is more sort of a brief question for you than anything else, but um, in the last couple of months, um, social media has gone crazy. <laughs> uh, can we reframe that as crazier? Okay, yeah. Um, but I'm not. I'm not particularly thinking about the precipitous decline of. I suppose I'm supposed to call it X now, aren't I? But we've also seen um, Reddit. Reddit go weird and then maybe come back again um the instagram thread stuff started up blue sky started up and they didn't really set the world alight and we're now a couple of months in and i suspect this is more jono question than jeremy question <laughs> but i'm interested in your thoughts like i haven't even used the threads thing at all but what the hell's gonna happen well did you say that they had the news stories were all over like, oh, the, the Twitter X killer has been launched and massive amounts of people signing up. And what that was is was you can't use it unless you, you have an I Instagram account, have an Instagram account. Right. So and they, if you and if was, you have an Instagram account, it was like, hey, click here once to have a threads account, at which point those people went, sure, why not? Bosh. And they went, check yeah. out how many millions of users we've got. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, if you need to be able to kind of stuff the ballot box when it comes to signups yes yeah. no problem that's a great strategy and it turns and then, out porting a visual social graph to a text-based social graph does not work even over two weeks because <laughs> it's just you follow different people people that are good at one are probably not good at the other like it's it was a an interesting decision yeah, yeah. and the fact that like so few people then started going back in it's like still huh, doesn't have a website face like it's well, only well, I mean, mobile, which is weird. It's a, that's annoying. Can't, yeah, can't use it on the web. You have to use the app. I yeah. so you can't even try it out without fully committing. And is there? I don't know if there's anyone alive who isn't aware of what happens when you install a Facebook app on your phone. Lots of people are like, "I'm fine," with it, <laughs> but I don't think there's anybody who doesn't know anymore. <laughs> that's right, that's a great point. So, I mean, John, I assume you've tried Threads. Yes, I, I haven't even tried it. What's the I've just got. I mostly don't care about this stuff anymore. Sure, there, there was one. There was one that I liked, and it got burned. And now I'm a Mastodon guy, like I used to be a Google Plus guy. I don't care if it conquers the world or not. I get to talk to my mates, and right. that's all I'm really bothered about. Yeah. Um. So but, my review would be. Uh, what's your uh, review of I, Threads, I, I, John? <laughs> I, I signed. I wasn't. I was by no means. I mean, it took me like a week. I was. I just didn't care that much. Um, signed. I was up. about the same. Their onboarding is 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 easy and it's great. Like and uh, it's clever how they and um, they basically uh, you can go and f- you go and follow the people you were already following or people who follow you on Instagram. So you get that immediate dopamine hit of ah, uh, I'm connected to people who I know. I recognize these names, which is clever that they did that. You don't start out from scratch again. Um, and it's just kind of the same as Twitter. I think the UI for me feels. 
clunkier and less intuitive than Twitter. And I don't like the fact that, and they may have changed this, but like if you want, when you when you go in to look at notifications, you 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 have to like do two clicks to get to notifications, right? You, you click on the notifications bubble, and then it shows you number of followers, the people you are following, responses, and then something else. And you've got to click again to see it. Like on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, you just click on responses and it takes you right there, right? So, but they'll fix all these little issues. But other than that, the problem I have is that it just doesn't add anything new, right? Uh, and that, what's the not point being in Twitter existing? is not enough, yeah, right? Because <laughs> the people who hate Twitter have already gone and they're not coming back. So the people who are on Twitter, people like myself, don't hate Twitter, maybe not huge fans of it, but like ain't going anywhere. So you've got to be better. It'll be different, and th- I don't think it's different enough. So, and it's Facebook. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I also uh, think exactly. if you look at the people that are on Twitter, there's a couple different modalities. But most people are following top. Like, if you're into bringing it back to the Bills, if you're into any kind of sports, the best way to ingest information these days, or not anymore, but was on Twitter. You could watch yeah. a game and famous sports medicine doctors would analyze an injury real time. Yeah. You, would get, you would be getting updates in a way that is really not possible anywhere else but somewhere like what Twitter used to be. And I think Threads didn't replicate that experience. They went for, here's a bunch of influencers shouting into the yes. void, and like nobody cares. Yeah. It's it's interesting, isn't it? That it's I, almost I, this, it's, it's a similar think... pattern. I was just going to say it's like a similar pattern to what happened with Blue Sky. Is there's an influx of people, and then crickets. <laughs> I I don't think no one cares about influencer types, but I don't think there's the staying power for it. Like you say, I mean the the, the advantage with Twitter as was. Now, actually, we could now say the advantage with Twitter. Right, because X does not have this advantage because it's rubbish. But the advantage with with Twitter was that it did have things like that. I also think genuinely, like Twitter was a moment in time and had an outsized impact for the yes. number of users it had in a way yeah. that will never like Twitter. I think we can all admit or or, or agree here the the product development at Twitter was terrible. Like what they did over the last five years is yeah. astonishingly yeah. minimal. Yes. But I don't yes. think there was a path to keep what the people who liked Twitter liked and get to this, the kind of numbers that you see at Meta. I, I think those two goals are almost, almost diametrically opposed, right? Because what, what people liked was deep knowledge about a thing in real time in a very yeah. s- almost silo type of way, in a way that is just not the general, the average consumer is never going to want that. Right. You have to be somewhat, I think, into technology. You have to be somewhat into real time, wanting to know and be connected. And that limit, like every one of those things you add limits you, where Instagram is more of a fun consumer thing and you can get to billions of users with that. Twitter, I don't think ever would get to billions of users and trying to get it to billions of users would make it a thing that people don't actually end up wanting. Well, and to your point, Jeremy, when we look back on when Twitter became a thing, I remember back then, we, most of us had the same response, which was like, well, why would I, you know, why would I go and share that I bought a bottle of milk and put it on Twitter? That was the common kind of refrain about it. But then for me, it was like, oh, wow, Stephen Fry's on Twitter. Yeah. And I can, I can interact with him. Yeah. And that like access to people was, was really compelling, which 
now is nothing new about that, right? Like it's uh, it was that moment in time. So what's the th- what's the new moment for Threads? And I, I, yeah, and I think interestingly, um, at that moment in time, you didn't just have famous people there; they were famous people using it themselves. Now, Blue Sky has that, but only for half a dozen of them. John Scalzi, yeah, not and, many, yeah, and Neil Gaiman, and um, a few people like that are there. But other than um, um, Jake Tapper. Um, he's a big yeah. fan. But other than that, most people aren't there. Um, Twitter had that. The problem with the threadsy influencer types is none of the influencers are actually there sharing, oh, hey, I bought a bottle of milk. They're saying, someone in their social media team is saying, should we say they bought a bottle of milk? Yeah, let's do that because it makes them seem relatable, which entirely yeah. defeats the point, right? Yeah, yeah. You got sucked into milk the- brought to you by Oreos because if you have an Oreo, don't you need this milk? And it's like, can you not advertise at me every second of every day? <laughs> yes, that's one hundred percent correct, and one hundred percent not what we're looking for, people. It's like, how do we appear authentic? You have missed the point. Just asking the question is to answer it. It's interesting. It's going to be interesting. We should do this at some point, maybe six months from now but it'd be interesting to just do a recap there's been so much going on like you said at the beginning of this discussion around social media twitter like elon taking over twitter it switching over to x there's threads uh facebook has faced privacy issues and and all kinds of stuff um it'd be interesting to see and there's blue sky and all these others it'd be interesting to see what 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 the landscape looks like in six months and um especially if any of these companies have actually managed to make any money from this Right, which, like, which made it be interesting in six months. Be interesting to know what the landscape looks like on Saturday. Sure, <laughs> it would. It would. I've got no I mean, idea. What's worse is not. It's not just that I don't I have no idea. I don't even know where to find out the latest news now. Like <laughs> I'm supposed to get yeah. told about what's happening on Twitter, and now I don't use it anymore. Yeah, it's it is it is like social media has kind of like reached the age of twelve. And it's kind of stepping into the abyss of puberty. <laughs> and it's trying to figure out what it is and its self-identity and how it's going to support itself. Man, and it's, it's starting to smell a little bit. This, this does sound like a show. Uh, this, 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 this does. Make a note of this because we should probably go into this. Um, but, yeah, I, I, that, was, that was the thing, really. Obviously, we could spend the rest of our lives talking about social media and probably will do so. And we will, in fact. Yeah, but we'll be old I, men with beards. I know. Talking about – do you remember Friends Reunited? That was great. Oh, yeah. Orcas. <laughs> um, <laughs> no one used – you didn't even use Orca, I don't think, did you? No. Isn't it didn't supposed to be massive be in, in Latin Brazil? America or something? Yeah, you have to be in Brazil or something. Just yeah. give me Google Plus back and then shut up. I don't like <laughs> Google fine. Plus for one main reason is that it significantly dates the art of community. Because I just <laughs> discovered Google Plus when I, when I was writing the book. So it's packed oh. with Google Plus. This is the future of social media. Um, so yeah. um, so the first book I wrote, The HTML Utopia, back in 2005, 2006, whenever I wrote it, um, the idea of JavaScript libraries had just basically been created so the book goes on about this thing called sarissa which was a little wrapper library to do things like uh, make requests for web pages off of the internet from client-side javascript and the book goes on and on and on about it and it was the thing at the time but it's obviously sunk without a trace down no one remembers it so 
Um, your friend of mine, Bruce Lawson, takes every opportunity to rip the piss out of me for a whole <laughs> book, uh, the whole book mentioning it about 12 times. And you're exactly the same with the art community in Google+. Plus. Yes. <laughs> People who are reading it going, it keeps going on about this Google ad thing. I don't understand what it means. <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> so um, we've only got about, what, eight or yeah. nine minutes left. Should we do one more, maybe? Should we squeeze one yeah, more in? go for it. Do you want to do uh what about um oh this is kind of an interesting one did you hear about um there's like a five billion dollar lawsuit with google over incognito mode tracking um there, there is <laughs> there's like i think two or three people are on the lawsuit and they basically said that when this is what i understood from briefly looking into this so i might be wrong but when you spin up incognito mode it gives you the impression that your activity is not is not going to be detected or tracked, whereas that's, in fact, not the case. And what I couldn't determine from this is whether Google are, in fact, tracking analytics in, in, in incognito mode, and that's going back to Google, or whether, what I think it might be more, is even though you're in incognito mode, it still means your ISP knows what you're looking at and things like that. So. Yeah. So anyway, are, it looks like a judge has been... I, I somehow missed this. Is this the same lawsuit from like two years ago that finally... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So I just opened a new incognito window, and it clearly says your activity might still be visible too, and it's a bulleted list. Websites you visit, your school, your employer, your internet service provider. So they, they, they seem pretty explicit. Uh, you see, I think um, the argument... So I'm not a lawyer. And the detail of the legal case is not something I'm qualified to comment on. But the vibe, I believe that uh, the the accusers are attempting to put across is that, sure, Google go, hey, here's incognito mode. Now, you might be tracked in that. We can't do anything to stop that, though. Um, you know, uh, technology is imperfect and so on. But it seems extremely disingenuous to go, here is incognito mode where you might be tracked including by us <laughs> that that i think is the 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 thing they're trying to put across that it seems rather dishonest to say well we've done the best to imply we've done the best we can to protect you but technology sometimes works like this while you google yourselves are also tracking people in this mode right are they because are, are google tracking them though yep so, so if I go to, well, sorry. So the accusation has been made that um, they've said uh, that they are uh, they, they're able to track people in um, in private browsing in incognito mode. Um, they are able to correlate that user with the other user account, so they can um, send you personalized ads, even based on stuff that you did in private browsing. So if I um, go, so if I go into incognito mode and I go to gingerstallions.dev, or yep. dot biz or dot whatever. Um, definitely dot biz. <laughs> it's definitely dot biz. They are tracking my activity. Because uh, it says here, you can browse privately, but other people who use this device won't see your activity. So they're saying other people, excluding Google. Well, no. Um, but th- th- this, this is exactly the point. That, as I say, the basic argument they're attempting to make is, is extremely disingenuous of Google to, to say, here is private browsing mode. Um, and we'll try and protect, we're trying to protect you from being tracked, 
and then going ahead and tracking you anyway, rather than saying we did our best to stop other people from tracking you. The fact that they're also Mm. one of the trackers looks pretty off. And I think that's a legitimate argument. Google's argument is, well, we said you, you know, you're not prevented from tracking. And that's all we've got to say. Now, I think legally Google are probably in the right there because they said, you know, we, we said that we, you know, maybe you'd be tracked around. The fact that we're one of the people who can track you from it, you know, you were warned. Hands off, caveat emptor, right? But yeah. this comes down, I think, to a question of whether the court will rule on, yeah, dude, uh, Google people, sure, you've technically worded it correctly, but we're not necessarily going to go for that, or whether, well, you warn people and that's all you're legally required to do this is like um you know sort of big picture questions about are you allowed to do anything you like as long as you write it in your terms and conditions and say well they clicked agree so i'm allowed to take their firstborn son and throw them into a jet turbine because here it is in (laughs) section two subsection p number number five it says we're allowed to do anything we like with you up to and including cramming a live rattlesnake up your ass and you ticked agree (laughs) So, but courts courts tend to go, we don't think that people have fully given consent to this. Um, right. And if they had understood the situation in more detail, they wouldn't have agreed to this. And therefore, we think yeah. it's iffy that you, di- you, you didn't try hard enough to make sure they were giving informed consent. But this is very much a, a big picture vibe. And the US courts tend to feel differently than say EU courts do about this. I I uh, I don't know this to be the case uh, because I don't particularly track in my head what incognito mode says before I go to some website in incognito mode. But having loaded it up and to Jeremy's point, looking at the screen, I'm pretty sure a bunch of this information was not there previously. Like I love how it's like you've got incognito, you can browse privately, and other people on this device won't see your activity. However, Chrome um, Chrome won't save your browsing history, cookies, or information entered in forms, but websites you visit might see it. Your employer can. The internet service can. In- internet service provider could. Um, you there's know, a lot of info you, on that page. There's a yeah. lot of info on that page that takes you away from, oh, I'm completely invisible to the internet. And and they've made it very clear. They've said you are not invisible, right? Um, yes. That's been Google's response, so... Yeah, now the the page has been like that for a long time. Chrome has had the following information: your browsing history, blah blah blah. Yeah, 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 sure. And 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 this is the question: whether they can say we told them this stuff and that's all true. So what the hell are we being busted for? Or whether the courts say, yeah, but you're giving people the impression they're being protected while you're tracking them. <laughs> yeah. Which seems a bit off. So it will be interesting to see what comes with this. But it's been going on forever. What the thing which happened in the news was that Google asked for summary judgment and the judge went no. So as I understand it, again, not a lawyer, but what Google was saying was, hey, judge, what you should do is just go, well, Google have just obviously won. We don't even bother, we don't even need to bother continuing. And the judge went, lol, no. But if an actual lawyer corrects me on that, then I'd be happy to be corrected. But that's my understanding of what an I attempt. believe you will be corrected, but not from a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I will this lawyer have an armchair, perchance? <laughs> <laughs> yes, this lawyer yeah. will indeed have an armchair. But yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to to see that. I mean, 
part of this plays into how it's Google is big enough, easily big enough, that there there is no one Google view on a lot of stuff, and especially on something like privacy. Yeah. That people yeah, say, yeah. well, but Google said this, but Google also said that. That's contradictory. And you're like, okay, the two people saying that have never met, never will yeah. meet, yeah. and are in organizations which have a fundamentally different understanding and appreciation and value of user privacy and user security. Yes. And and you are considerably closer in your business goals and alignment to the bloke who lives next door to you and doesn't even work in your industry than two people at opposite ends of Google are to one another. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, uh, all big companies are the same, I think, to be honest. Some small companies, yeah. We will see how it pans out. So I guess yep. we should wrap up this show. Before we wrap things up, though, Jeremy, how was Dash? Yeah, Dash, was, went, d- d- Dash went part of the reason for our hiatus. Dash went very well. Thank you. Good. It looked amazing on the internet. Yeah. So uh, that must have been a huge amount of work putting it together, right? <laughs> it, it was. It was quite a bit of work, but uh, yeah, full, full building. Everything went really well. Customers were super happy. So all good. Wow. Do you think Fabulous like uh, like? Do you think with where we are with COVID and everything, like things are mostly back for Dash, like or? We yeah. think we still think it's a bit different. So, no, I think just from the last couple of larger conferences that I have attended, things seem to be back back to normal. Hopefully, finally, I know. finally. Well, well, good job, man. Okay. Excellent. Okay, so um, we should say before we go, um, uh, the person who's editing this, so we're saying this, so he hears us, <laughs> but you get to hear yeah. as well. Is is Marius Quarbeck from NerdZoom Media, who uh, has been very patient with us, going, "Yeah, we're not doing a show fifteen minutes before we're not doing it, <laughs> or yes. three days before we're not doing it, or a week before we're not doing it," because everyone's been all over the place for the last month or so. Yeah. So, um, we're sorry to have messed you around, gentle listeners, um, but. It's the way it goes, you know, sometimes we're busy. Um, Get what you pay for. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, And luckily, we don't track who's listening, so all all good. You really are in incognito mode right now. Yes, yeah. A combination of of inability and just, frankly, just uselessness. Uh, Yes, yes. (laughs) ineptitude, inaccuracy. And, I mean, uh, we can honestly say, we don't care about your privacy, <laughs> but because but we don't care, right? We, not don't. we but, do not care. But yes, um, so. but but if you need um, uh, editing work doing um, or anything to do with audio stuff and anything, um, uh, talk to Marius at nerdzoom.media because he's great. And thank you very much. He is. Thank you, Marius. And thank um, you. with that, we will see you on the next one. Recording. 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 One, two, three, three four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Aren't you introing it? 
Oh, I thought you. Okay, <laughs> I thought, I thought, isn't I thought, that what you literally just said? I, oh yeah, no, you're right. Minutes, you're right, actually. multiple minutes of pre-show work. <laughs> right down the I was sitting there waiting, <laughs> thinking like, Jono's doing the intro, then we'll kick in. No, you're right. Okay, sorry. No, I, I always d- love it when we have this just awkward blank stare at each other. Like, I'm like, hang on, who's Gary? Is it? <laughs> is he just waiting for the pause, or is he actually going to fucking introduce the show? <laughs> all right, this is like one of those moments where you go, "I'm taking over the ship, and the lads are all with me," and the captain goes, "What lads?" and you look behind you go um <laughs> 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 right 